Well, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Tech Whispers podcast, which I'm dedicating to the transformers, those who have the courage to make the big bets and the stamina and the intestinal fortitude to deliver them. For those who follow the podcast closely, you know that we always launch a new episode on a Wednesday, what my good friend Dave Best refers to as Whispers Wednesday. But today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, which just happens to be the launch date of a new book titled Big Bet Leadership, Your Transformation Playbook for Winning in the Hyper Digital Era. The book is written by today's guest, the one and only John Rossman. Many of you know John from his prior books, The Amazon Way and Think Like Amazon, and the fact that he was an early Amazon executive with key responsibilities in launching the Amazon Marketplace business in 2002. So John, welcome, congratulations. You know, I've published a number of books and I know the early days of a new book launch are hectic and crazy and very important. So many thanks for being here and joining us today. And again, congratulations on publishing what I predict right here, right now, will be the number one business book, number one leadership book of 2024. Well, I appreciate the early vote. Getting it out there is job one. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk about it today. So really, really happy to be here. So thanks. For, and thanks for all your preparation. Yeah, yeah. We always have a lot of fun. We get together, John. And so, you know, we uh, we found some pretty, pretty cool, pretty amazing people that have jumped in and are helping me through the mystery questioners. And I'm going to just get to it out of the gate with our first mystery question. So let's let's listen in and he'll kind of help us uh, set the stage here. So let's, okay. let's check it out. I asked Google's Bard how many business books on change management have been published in the last 30 years. It gave me a very vague, non-committal answer. So I asked again, come on, give me a wild guess. The answer, between five and 10,000 books. These books are usually either operationally focused or aspirationally focused. Big Bet Leadership is of the operational category, but has a fresh prescriptive style. What inspired you to write with this motive? Great to hear from uh, my friend and mentor and now client again, Jim Harding, who I worked with uh, at Amazon. He actually was the one who championed hiring me at Amazon. And my my co-author, Kevin McCaffrey, a uh, super smart guy, he, he, he pointed out early a, a market need. And that market need was, if you think about audiences, senior leadership, mid-level management, and style of book, aspirational versus tactical. There wasn't, there's not, there's very little that's written for senior leadership at the more tactical level, right? And so we saw a customer need and that customer need was, was you know, largely framed from the topics that we're gonna be talking about, which is like transformations fail. They fail all the time. And so it's obvious what we're doing today isn't quite uh, solving for what big companies and, and mid-sized companies need in order to be able to change and compete and become more durable and more relevant for their customers and for their, their markets. And so that was the market need that we were writing to. We wanted to write something that, you know, everything builds on the shoulders of others, but we wanted to actually, you know, create and and explain many of the fresh techniques that you know, we've seen as successful over Kevin's and my career. Yeah, fantastic. Jim Harding, thank you for that question and the, the context. And 
you know, I like to answer those questions up front, like why John? Why why is John the right person to be writing this book? And I think that really helps with that. And you better have experience and a track record if you're going to write something about Big Bad. And you've had a few of those, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so I was an early leader at Amazon. I left Amazon. I was a partner at a firm called Alvarez and Marcel for 12 years. My key client was the Gates Foundation. And it was several years after I left Amazon. And one of my key clients there, a senior leader at Gates, he was the one who recommended that I write the Amazon Way book. But that's also where I first heard the framing, the concept of big bets. And so I got to be involved with a few of the Gates Foundation big bets. I wrote about kind of one of them that what that that failed um, in the book. That's a story called In Bloom, and um, and so yeah, I've I've had the opportunity across you know my career to 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 be involved, to lead, um, and to help clean up a number of uh, of big bets. Yeah. I want to jump into the deep end here in a minute, uh, but I want to I want to just have you kind of give us the framework. The, you know, I've had the ability to to spend some time with the book. I've gone through it once in detail. I've gone through it a couple more times because I'm just I just find it fascinating. But what's the what are the three sections? What's the the, the overall structure? Yeah. So the key framework is about how do you create a big bet vector? And so if you think about what a vector is, as a very specific starting point, a very specific ending point, and a known force. It's different than just having speed, right? Speed can be diffuse, speed can be random, but a vector like that's very targeted, very lasered. Well, the three sections of the book help a leader create and lead with that big bet vector. And so the three sections are uh, big bet thinking. And that's really about like, how do we actually create the clarity that's needed before we really start committing major resources to a concept, to a big bet, to a transformation, to an innovation. The second section is called big bet environment. And that's really like, how do we create um, the, the places, the team, the culture, the environment that is especially conducive and needed for big bets to succeed? And if you think you can take a big bet and put it into the same policies, into the same tech environment, into the same approaches that we do our normal projects and programs, that this chap, these three chapters are going to be very eye-opening for you. And then the third section is big bet management. And this is specifically written for senior leaders on three really important things that need to be done for big bets. And that's, that's really about, you know, how do we flush out and create true executive buy-in and concerns a big, about a big bet early? How do we create uh, an environment where we do the right type of, of governance and approaches for it? And how do we take on those big decision moments, right? Like, so the, 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 the high stakes moments for big bets that are unique to a big bet and can't be pre-wired, but they can be predicted. And there's a lot you can do to help those high stakes meetings go go better. Yeah, that's a great a great summary. And yeah, I want to go to I think one of the the great business cases for the book. And our audience is all about the business case, right? And there's a headline on page 144. And it's kind of tongue in cheek. It's kind of like one of those icy buckets of water in the face. It's like, big bets fail, 
but I'm sure yours will be different. And, and, and you go on to say, you, you talk about how the majority of transformations fail. You quote research from McKinsey, BCG, KPMG, Bain, all, all those folks. The risk of failure is falling somewhere between 70 to 95%. But of course, yours is going to be okay. So help folks understand, you know, why is this? Well, yeah, yeah. And so those, those statistics um, are real and are relevant. Um, I've read some studies of, from, of mega projects, and it gets even worse than that. Only half of 1% actually deliver on time, on scope, and most importantly, on impact uh, mm -hmm. and everything, right? Like that's, that's the real key. And so these are very hard to predict and are very hard to deliver. And we wrote this book, not just for the business, not just for the enterprise, but for the individuals who are leading and guiding these things, because big bets uh, both are important for the organization, but they're important for the individual. And the failures are important for the business, but they're also impactful for the individual. And so we write this for both the business to be successful at this, but also for the person leading it. And the general spirit of the whole book is how do we de-risk these types of, of major transformations as early as possible before big commitments are made while amplifying the, the outcomes that we're trying to seek? Like, why are we undertaking these to begin with? And so it's really that, that dual tension of, hey, de-risk them early, but amplify the ambition that, that these big bets should take on. And, and we think we bring some fresh perspectives to doing that. I would concur 100%. And, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this dynamic going on. I'm sure you do too, John, these days where a lot of folks are really starting to just play it safe. I, I don't want to say mail it in, but they are just, you know, I think of the Yogi Bear quote, right? You know, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Um, I guess in this case, one fork in the road is big bet leaders. The other one is the play it safe leader. What's, what's the cost of playing it safe in 2024? Well, I think the the cost is significant and is going to get bigger and bigger. And so the whole book is framed, you know, the subtitle of the book is Your Transformation Playbook for the Hyper-Digital Era. And the framing of the book is that essentially, if you think the past, you know, 25, 30 years of digital disruption, digital transformation, mm -hmm. digital change has been significant, the next 25 are, are going to be where the real gain is at. And so you have to get better at transformations. But as we were just pointing out, we're not. And so there's a lot of research out there about why bold moves, while, why transformations are required. You know, McKinsey Global Institute has some great research that bold moves are the only way uh, to actually change your performance profile relative to your peer competitors and that the riskiest position of all is is having an incremental mindset or, or, or a status quo kind of mindset to that and everything. But I would also say that, you know, all of those failure statistics, those are just the errors of commission. That's where somebody undertook an initiative and it didn't work according to plan. What about all the errors of omission? Those are, those are not counted in those failure statistics, mm -hmm. right? And an error of omission is where a company needed a transformation. A company needed a major growth strategy, but they didn't take one. So every time you see 
a great company go to average or an average company go to subpar or a subpar company go to irrelevant. Remember, I worked for a restructuring firm for 12 years, right? Like I, I've worked with those companies. Those are signs that a big bet was needed, but was not undertaken. So, so I would say like, that's the, the fundamental, you know, crux of the challenge that we have, which is we know the vast majority of there's going to fail, but more needed. Well, that, that, that's not much of a value proposition, right? Like, like, oh, okay, so they're likely going to fail, but I need to do more of them. And that's the fundamental problem that we're trying to address with the book, which is how to have more ambition, but de-risk them early so that you, you can actually take a, you know, we call it, we wrap up the book with the recommendation of being an active skeptic. And an active skeptic, both of those words are important. Active means you're not passive. You don't sit by, you don't, you don't just observe. But skeptic means you don't believe everything you're told either. You go out and you prove things before you commit to them. And that's the entire spirit of the book is to be an active skeptic. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I want to get into the playbook aspects of it because it's very well, very much like that, which is, is very timely. But, you know, your career journey, I think, is a good example of courageous leadership, big, bold leadership. And you've got a history of this. You're not a play a safe type type leader. So. You know, it's not an academic uh, diatribe about why it's a good idea. It's like, I've, I've been there. I got the scars. Uh, I've got a, a great mystery questioner uh, who appreciates this about you as well. So let's listen in and uh, see if you recognize who this is. Yeah. Hey, John. You made a few big moves in your career so far, leaving behind a more certain, safer path in exchange for perhaps more exciting, but certainly more risky and, and undefined path. What is one of the moves that you've made that was hardest at the time? And how did you go about making the decision? Yeah, so that's my, um, my very talented uh, co-author, Kevin McCaffrey. Kevin ran a enterprise strategy and planning team at T-Mobile. He, wrote, he, he led a growth incubation program and I got to be his, he was my client for, for three years and I, I talked him into, into being not just a co-author of the book, but to joining me at, at Rossman Partners and everything. But, you, you know, um, and I gave this advice to, to one of my sons one time when he had kind of a fork in the road, you know, uh, moment and everything. And the right decision-making framework at the right time is really important. Jeff Bezos has, has a, a, a well-known one that he talks about, which is like on your deathbed, what are you going to look back and regret? you know, making and everything. And, and one of the big decisions I had in my career was, um, was about leaving Alvarez and Marcel. So I had been a partner there for 12 years, fantastic firm, love the people, love my clients, but I had written a book called the Amazon way. And I was underway on, a, on another book. And I started to have these opportunities to have more impact. And, and I, I, you know, after you, you know, run, you know, whatever I, I, I refer to it as a thousand SOWs after you run a lot of projects individually, you kind of stop, stop growing. So while I love the teams I was building and the client work we were doing, my learning path and, and my growth had kind of slowed off. And so I decided to leave Alvarez Marcel and, and bet on myself and the way that I add value 
and to look to do it with more scale. So that was in 2017. There's been high points and low points uh, since then for sure and everything. But, you know, my, my, you know, after you reach, you know, kind of a, a certain level of stability, what, you, you know, everybody's looking for is, you know, control and self-actualization, right? And so this path that I've taken, which isn't for everybody, has been a tremendously creative and rewarding path for me to help, you know, make bigger impact through keynote speeches, through the books, through the workshops, and now hopefully working with Kevin McCaffrey to help leaders actually be much better at transformation. Because as I frame in the book, like we need it, we need it as, as a, as, as an economy, we need it as a democracy um, to actually be much better at making change happen. Yeah, thank you, Kevin, for, um, for the question, but also uh, being in the trenches with John. And me and I talked about the book early on, John, like what, what's your goal? I mean, you've got two great books out there and you said the goal of Big Bet Leadership is I want to have 10x impact. That was, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I remember your answer. Yeah. Right. Right. And that, you know, I had a, a, actually my, my former boss at Alvarez Marcel, Tom Elsenbrook, he, he asked me that question when I was kind of walking him to books, like, well, John, what are you, you trying to do? And I, well, I'm trying to 10 X my, my, my impact. And that really is, you know, the stretch goal for us. And, um, you know, there's several, you know, really important um, books and frameworks out there that are referred to, you know, like um, the lean enterprise um, or or um, the OKR, you know, book and everything. And and this is a grand slam. This is a big goal for me. But you know, what a grand slam for me would be is that when an organization is like stepping into these moments, you know, I I hope they go like, oh, we need to apply the big bet playbook. Like, you know, that, that, that would, to me would be like establishing a brand and a movement around how we lead major transformations. That to me is kind of the, the 10 X, maybe that's even a hundred X kind of um, impact. And, you know, the business will figure out itself if we're having that type of even remotely close to that type of impact. Well, we're going to help you with that brand because I believe in it. And, you know, you know, I am energized every day by the Tech Whispers audience. These are really smart people. These are the bold people. These are the transformers. These are courageous leaders. And I just, I just can't do enough for them because they do so much for their companies, our profession, and uh, they don't shy away from the hard decisions. So Big Bet Leadership, like all of your writings, it's powerful, it's pragmatic, it's actionable. Um, Maybe maybe uh, dig into your own big bet successes. You've you've had some. You know you've had some that are pretty high profile, right? And uh, maybe just help folks see it from that uh, that vantage point. Before you do that, I've got another mystery question. Maybe poke the bear a little bit. And so listen in on this third question. Hi John. Hi Dan. John, one situation where we've been in the trenches together is where there's a need to drive real clarity into a situation where big bets have gone off the rails. Would be great to get your thoughts on why big bets sometimes go off the rails in the first place. And if a company ever finds itself in that situation, what would an intervention look like to get things back on a solid footing again? So that was my uh, friend and, and partner, Stephen Wilson from Wilson Paramall. The English accent gives him away. He lives in Dallas, Texas. And we have been in the trenches a few times. 
because so many of these big bets, you know, are, are troubled in some fashion, a lot of the work I've gotten to do has been in, in kind of correcting, reframing, reshaping um, major initiatives, big bets. And um, the fundamental thing that Stephen and I did a couple of years ago, we had a big one, which is was really part of the inspiration for the book was like, oh, there really are three critical habits that you need in order to pull off a big bet that are different than other really important but good program management approaches or operational leadership approaches. But these are the difference makers and the, and the ones that are different but for big bets. And those three critical habits, and this is what the whole book helps you build and, and demonstrate and use, is big bet leaders create clarity. They, they do not suffer from vague notions of the transformation or the journey or improving customer experience. They get very clear, very very quickly about both the problem they're solving and their hypothesis as to what the better future state is. The second thing is they maintain velocity. And um, it's easy for everybody to, to come out of the shoots with like great enthusiasm, great commitments. They create velocity, but they don't maintain it. We all know how quickly these erode into business as usual programs and projects or operations. Big bet winners find ways to actually accelerate velocity and maintain velocity throughout the initiative. And the third thing they do, and this is the one that's the most counterintuitive, sometimes feels like you're wasting time or resources, but it's really how you de-risk these things up front. And so the third critical habit is accelerating risk and value validation while deferring everything else as much as possible until you've actually much better understand the initiative. You, you de-risk the, the initiative. And so it's really through those three critical habits that um, you either evaluate or start a big bet. In the book, I, I, um, we commit to a number of resources that are for free for the readers of the book. One is what we call the big bet uh, pre-flight checklist. It's also an in-flight checklist. And it's actually a scorecard across 26 different factors that help you evaluate the essentially the, the unpacked habits or demonstrations of these three critical habits. And the important thing about the scorecard is um, you can't average the scores. You can't go, oh, 20 out of 26 of these, I have a four or five, I have a handful that are poor, but you know, that's a good average score. You know, that's a that's a B plus uh, on a on a normal test. It doesn't work that way for big bets. You can't afford to take risk factors in any one. It's, it's a, it truly is a chain reaction. And so any one of these weak links can, can break the chain and can start the erosion across the other one. So our recommendation, our approach, if you want to win at big bets, is like we got to make sure that there's integrity across all of these factors for big bets to win. Yeah, you know, John, those I love those three habits. Uh, the the resources that you provide, I want to kind of get to that at the end in terms of how people can get those because you've given away the store here in terms of some really valuable assets and resources. So thank you for that, and thank you, Stephen. I thought for sure that was a North Texas accent. Uh, right there, so. <laughs> it's a it's a blend now. He's been here a long time, so that's right. That's right. Um, 
Well, you know, uh, for some people of a certain age, they'll, you know, you just made me think of country singer Kenny Rogers. You know, he had that hit, I forget, probably back in the 70s, 80s. Um, it, it, was, it was called The Gambler. It would go like this. You've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. And John, as you were talking, I was just thinking, I was thinking about my big bet CL friends. I was thinking about the stuff you've been doing and, you know, staying the course with the big bets. Um, how often do people, leaders, companies bail out too soon? Like imagine if you all yeah. in the Amazon days bailed on marketplace when it got hard. Yeah, I'll, I'll reframe that question just a little bit. And it's really about, you know, having strategic patience, but having tactical impatience. So that's part of the secret, which is, which is you have to drive urgency to, to do the things that are within your control, but have strategic patience. But, you know, we wrote uh, an entire chapter about kind of these high stakes moments. The name of the chapter is Continue, Kill, Pivot, or Confusion. And it really is about these key decision points when you're evaluating like, okay, what do we, what do, we do with this big bet? Is it time to scale it? Is it time to pivot? Is it time to retract? What mostly happens is kind of confusion. You're, you're not super clear about either the decision you're making or why you're making the, the, the decision. And the mistakes that organizations typically make, they make, they make the mistake on both sides of this, which is A, they either aren't hitting what they think the goals or getting the feedback um, uh, early on. And so they pull back um, from the initiative. And even worse, they go, well, we'll never do something like that again, right? So, so that's a problem. The other problem is they're having success with their big bet. A, a budgeting cycle comes up, an annual planning cycle comes up, and all of a sudden now you, you're put in a position where it's like, okay, time to play you know, budget and, and forecasting roulette. And in order to, to keep the initiative alive, what the leaders are forced to do is they're forced to go big, go big too early. And so an enterprise will scale something that isn't ready to scale. And so it's like errors happen on both sides of that. And that's why that those, those high stakes meetings are such a critical juncture. That's why we dedicated an entire chapter to it. And, and the secret is really about having the right hygiene for how you set the stage for making those, those decisions and understanding that whatever your planning cycle is, 12 months or whatever, these things do not fit the nice orderly kind of budgeting and commitment cycle that other types of programs do. Big bets are different. And so if you don't have a different operating model, a different approach for how you approach these, they, they don't work out well. And so that's fundamentally why a different playbook is needed for big bets is because of, of mistakes uh, that are made there. And I think of all of Jeff Bezos and Amazon's superpowers I think that ability to be patient when you should be patient, pull back when it's not working, go big when it is working, and not, not have a predefined scale or timetable on which that needs to happen is a real um, critical capability in doing this. You know, an example that I think about today is their Amazon Go store. Have you ever been in an Amazon Go store, Go store Dan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the just just walk in, just walk out technology, right? Um, super customer experience that launched in 2017. 
they have about 100 Amazon Go stores today. And you start seeing it pop up in some airport kiosks and things like that. But, but what I find is interesting about the number 100 is A, it's not zero. They, they have not gone, well, this isn't working. They pull back and they retract. It's also not what all the pundits thought it would be when they first launched Amazon Go in 2017, right? It's not in the thousands. So it's clear that they're still figuring something out, probably about unit economics, um, that, that is not working. But they, they're keeping at the experimentation at the right affordable scale. And that's the delicate balance that we're always trying to look for. You know, if you you know the story in the in the book, I I, I want to see if I can thread the needle. I want to have you talk about it without giving away the the story. But it was a Jeff Bezos moment. It was a, probably two thousand two or somebody guess. And uh, let's just say that Jeff shared some. Uh, let's just say enthusiastically gave you some feedback uh, in a very high profile meeting, <laughs> and you probably probably had a few of those. But you know, you did a great job putting me inside the room, and I thought. John was not having a great day. So, but I also thought, what was Jeff doing in that moment, right? As the as that executive, as the top person, what was going on in that in that meeting? Yeah, yeah. So that uh, I remember that meeting d- distinctly, and um, you know what Jeff wanted was a he didn't want our org structure and job titles getting in the way of acting like an owner. So that's that's the second of Amazon's leadership principles is, is act like an owner. And his message to me was, John, although your title is director of merchant integration, you should be acting like you run the business. And so I want you to have a, a empowered high sense of urgency. If something is blocking us from scaling that business, don't, don't just play according to the org chart, play bigger than what your title is. And I didn't need to be told twice. It's like, oh, okay, I understand now, you know, and everything like don't, don't be as deferential or respectful um, to job titles. And, and so that was the message. And it wasn't just to me, it was to everyone in, in, in the room, which is like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. You should all be thinking about the enterprise and the mission, not just your job titles. And, you know, John's going to come asking for how do we alleviate the bottlenecks relative to going to tens and hundreds of thousands of third-party sellers and multiple categories faster than we're getting after it. And so um, uh, it was, it was, you know, one of the, 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 another great story that in line with that was, uh, a lecture uh, myself and another leader at Amazon got about not letting the simple things become the hard things in a business. The only hard things should be hard things. And that that really has shaped my um, approaches. And you see it in, in the book here about, you know, really identifying what should be hard about an initiative and testing those things up front, identifying those things that are predictable, but they're simple things truly, address those things early on in the initiative to to kind of predict them and don't let the simple things become the reasons why you don't succeed at at these big bets. Only let the truly hard things, the, the things that are oftentimes outside of your control, let those be the determining factors of why a big bet works or not. Those are, those are big nuggets. Play bigger than your job title. That's something we all 
we all can do. We need to learn from that. And you mentioned, Jeff, um, in the book, you reference Elon Musk, you assigned to Nadella, John Laguerre from T-Mobile, which uh, I assume Kevin worked with him. You know, what do we learn from those folks? You know, why do they succeed where others don't? Well, um, each for their own individual reason, but that that's really where the three critical habits of, you know, create clarity, maintain velocity and accelerate risk and value. Like it, it's from working for two of those, studying the other two and asking ourselves like, well, like how are they able to do it systematically where so many others fail? And that's, that's where we learn a lot of these lessons. The one that I think is the, um, a super important one that gets left behind way too often is cost model innovation through zero-based design, through uh, making things much simpler by having a target unit cost. That is Elon Musk's complete playbook across all of his companies is understanding that, that to reach a new level of scale he needed a dramatically lower unit cost um, basis to do that. And, um, you know, there's a recently a great biography about, about Musk and he talks, uh, I think I, 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 I measured, he, he references the word delete, delete, delete 26 times in the book. And that, that is that decalcification of making processes, designs, rules, requirements, um, all of your sourcing approaches, everything so much simpler in rethinking everything is such an opportunity in most companies that, that um, and if you can actually create a cost model advantage, it A, gives you the opportunities to compete completely differently, and it allows a big bet actually have the fuel and the funding and the advantages to keep it going while you're figuring out everything about it if it if it actually gives you a cost model advantage. And so that's where I think some of what we did in the book is a is a very fresh framing on how to look at strategic cost models. Yeah. Have you continued the practice? It's one of the the secret sauce aspects of of Amazon. It's the, it's the memo, the Amazon memo. And you spent some time with it in the book. And um, I just find that CIOs, technology leaders who create that habit, that discipline, they create that demand to write white papers and come up with a point of view, right? Talk about the memos and why those are so important to success. Well, uh, the one appendix in the book is all the research that that shows like why putting yourself in a stoic moment, why writing things out, while why debating those as a team is a far superior way to tackle complex problems. And that's what a big bet is there to do is to tackle a complex problem, a big opportunity um, for your business. And that is the basis for all of, you know, for Amazon's famous working backwards approach. And so Kevin and I, we had to, we, we, we implemented the essence of Amazon's working backwards um, in, a, in an environment that wasn't Amazon. And so that's, that's where we innovated on top of working backwards. And we have kind of four or five kind of specific memo recommendations and give very specific templates to do that in, in the resources and everything to do. But writing and debating, that 
uninterrupted actual thinking is the opportunity for a leader to actually, in a, in a highly leveraged way, you want to talk about how to 10x your impact, write and participate in the, de, in the design and the crafting of these memos up front, and then figure out essentially audit and control procedures to make sure that that is that simple superpower that we talked about up front, like that that's being delivered. You can truly create scale across your organization and bend the curve on on whatever initiative or change that you're trying to drive. And I, I think it is one of the, the, the people who figure out the power of I always talk about your writing for clarity. Clarity is both simplicity of thought and completeness of thought. And it's a, it's a hard thing to do, but it is very learnable. We have a ton of tools, including a chat GPT that's there to help you do that. But you, you have to own the thinking relative to that. But again, that gives you the amplification that to truly you play the role of bending the curve. And I, I've seen that habit across a number of leaders who understand when do I lean in and when do I specify this is the problem we are solving. This is the hypothesis of where we have to go. And like, I don't, you know, I'm going to empower you to figure out how to test that, how to deliver that. But that is what we are talking about going forward. That is, that is the whole create clarity um, habit that we talk about. You know, just just evidence of that. Uh, a few weeks ago, we we launched a podcast with uh, Frank LaQuinta, who's the CIO plus at Edward Jones, and he I titled the the podcast "Promises Made, Promises Kept." So five years prior, he basically published a white paper. It was a five year vision, a five year roadmap, and just forcing himself over Christmas break one year, right, to to do that and and deliver it, and now. He's got all of operations. He was given all of AI. He's, you know, it's like this is uh, this stuff works. And can you tell us, uh, John? You've referenced some of the resources, but what's the best place for us to go to get our hand? I mean, obviously, the book comes out today. I'm, I want to encourage people to go get that book and and get a bunch of them, get a book study going. But where do we go find those resources? Yeah. So um, either uh, BigBetLeadership.com or rossmanpartners.com and you'll be able to to get all of the resources uh which includes a a big bet journal which is um the entire book kind of flattened off and stripped off so that you can you can remind yourself of all the things and actually write these memos it includes this pre-flight checklist that we talked about it includes a um a link to the 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 big bet gpt which which is like having a a staff of consultants and a thought partner there to help you iterate on your thinking and your writing. And we're designing a set of prompts. And so that combination of like a framework um, and a GPT with engineered prompts is a real accelerant to helping any size team, any size company, help them think through and, and put this big bet leadership playbook to work. Incredible. And you've got a newsletter too. Can we subscribe to your newsletter on your site? Because uh, yeah, 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 there is a place to subscribe to the newsletter. It's a Substack newsletter. It's called the Digital Leader Newsletter. I kind of open the lens a little bit on what I write about there and everything. And it's for free or you can tip me whatever you want to do. But yeah, it's kind of my place where 
I kind of put this writing habit to work and I write about things that I think are important for leaders that are trying to drive change. Yeah. You know, John, I want to make a little more news here today because um, you are joining our distinguished faculty of our executive leadership experience program. And it's a cohort-based program that CIOs are using to develop their next-gen executives, right? Their direct reports. And every time I tell a CIO that John Rossman, Big Bet Leadership is part of the program, they come right back with, can I sit in on that session? <laughs> so, John, thank you for being, you know, a lot of passion for teaching, a lot of passion, as people can see, in terms of helping folks apply these habits and these this way of thinking. So, thank you again for for joining us on this journey on the Execolux program. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to say thank you for everything that you've contributed to the community and and inviting me along for the ride. And I'm already learning from you and the community. And I'm I'm really excited to to help you know put this to work. I always talk about it's a book that's that's meant to be put to work. And um, you know, I, I, I wrap up with um, pointing out again that um, it's your job to, to be able to make significant change happen. And as we, we talked about earlier, it's going to become an even more important basis for the job. Companies who can get really good at systematically pulling off big bets you're going you're gonna to own your market. And those that struggle are going to suffer the consequences of it. And so it's a really simple choice. And this isn't a playbook for, for everything in your business, but for those things that have big potential, but we know there's material risk, you now have a actionable playbook to do your job as a senior leader. Mm. You know, we've covered so much territory, so much material. We pretty much have haven't got to the first chapter. I mean, I just want to let people know. That. So that's what's pretty cool about this. And, you know, a very, very serious question, though. We've got to give credit where credit is due. And so I'm going to flash the picture here for all those who are on YouTube and watching. But who is this member of your team called Boss Man? Yeah, so so Boss Man is our, our family dog. So it's, it is Boss Man Rossman. And uh, um, he's he's been a great addition to the to the family and he's, you know, if we're meeting remotely, he's typically either at my feet and everything, but um, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a fun guy. It's good stuff. Good looking dude right there. Well, again, I am going to predict again, number one leadership book of 2024, go get copies, uh, share it with your team and, and dig in because there's so much uh, to this book. And, you know, uh, John's agreed to spend some more time with me. We're going to put out a uh, more content on CIO.com in a week. So look at the CIO Whispers page there. And and John, you know, this is going to be a blockbuster. Thanks so much. I know day one of a new book is hugely busy, important. You're doing the road shows, you're doing the speaking tours, but thanks for taking time out to be with us today. Great to be here, Dan. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.